Greetings and salutations! You are listening to the Into the North podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CEDH. I am one of your hosts, Noobzors, and today I am joined by my co-hosts, Null. What's up, guys? And Spleenface. Hi, everyone. How's it going? Uh, Sick Robot, unfortunately, couldn't be here for this episode, but uh, you'll definitely hear from him next episode, so look forward to that. Okay, in this episode, we will be covering... The Modern Horizons CEDH set review. Exciting. Hooray! Wow, new <laughs> set. Always exciting. Yeah, it's actually it's actually after after War of the Spark, I was like, how can they possibly beat this set? And you know what? I'm not gonna say they beat it, but they definitely are, are giving it a run for its money. Yeah, it's two, it's two home runs in a row. Yeah, this is insane. Insane in terms of CEDH, just bit like unprecedented. Um, okay, so before we get into the actual like new cards and start reviewing the new cards, uh, Null, do you want to kick things off with just a quick list of the relevant CDH reprints in this set? Yeah, of course. So um, featured in Modern Horizons are a couple, uh, only a couple interesting reprints. Uh, first off is Flusterstorm. Uh, this card, I think, was at an all-time low before the set was released. Saw a bit of a spike there, but um, yeah, I expect it's going to go down. Uh, and then yeah, next is Kess, which also saw an all-time low before the set release, uh, and also got a tiny bit of a spike. But yeah, cards like this will go back down unless they are featured in actual modern decks. Um, next up, Eladarmi's Call. Uh, this card is pretty much. Um, I can only think of Hulk. Yes, yeah, he's playing some. Sisse I guess Sisse. Yeah. yeah. Um, once again, you know, a relatively cheap card that we'll, we'll definitely see a bit of a spike, but um, we'll definitely go back down. And then another, uh, last but not least, we have Full Art Snow Basics. Uh, these are kind of, they all look super nice. Um, snow Basics were at least a dollar. They're creeping up this, there. Maybe two dollars. Yeah. So hopefully this will drive those prices down for those monocolored decks out there yeah one one thing to note though is that uh this this printing printing these cards into modern that were that previously obviously weren't in uh in modern could have the adverse effect on price that you want like you know if, if card is reprinted typically you see a price drop but if these cards get picked up uh a lot in modern start seeing a lot of play you can see price increases for these cards so that's that's uh, you know worth worth considering. So maybe maybe now is not the time if you're looking to buy a cast to buy a cast right after the price spike, but definitely um, you know keep an eye on that price for for when you think is an optimal time right before uh, you know before, hopefully hopefully ride the wave before people pick up on that in modern. Also, um, per particularly sorry. Flusterstorm because it's being printed as a buy a box promo. Oh, being yeah. added to modern, which yeah. seems like it's not the not the best really decision. a reprint. Yeah. Okay then. I think the card that honestly will see the most play outside CDH is Eladami's Call. Of these. Yeah. Really, with like Cord and and Coco in the in modern. I don't know, man. Maybe it's a fast format, but yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, modern talk aside, uh, let's jump into the actual new cards from the set. Uh, so first, we'll kick things off with some of the less exciting cards from the set, or, or cards that just, you know, 
they're they're not they're not going to be as impa impactful um, as some of the cards we're going to be covering later. Uh, so I'll kick things off, uh, and this card is Archmage's Charm, and that is for triple blue. It is an instant with choose one counter target spell. Target player draws two cards. Uh, and the third mode is gain control of target non-land permanent with converted mana cost one or less. Okay, so what do you guys think of this card? I mean, that's a solid counter spell. You know, it has options. It's not always dead, but I, th I think triple blue pretty much means that you're not, oh, not going to run it outside of mono blue. Yeah, I also think like the the nice the, the thing the the fact that it can be. You can hold it up as counter magic, convert it into card advantage if you're uh, a bit stalled out. Um, but then also that you can just kind of uh, end of turn, you know, snag someone's soul ring or mana crypt, their carpet or their remora. Like, I mean, maybe end of turn and grabbing a remora might not be the best because then you've got to pay like the upkeep. But depending on depending on the turn and and where you are in the game, like the it can be it can be relevant um, that last mode. So I, I think I think that kind of just barely pushes it into the playability range for CDH in mono blue in like very specific mono blue decks. The issue I see is the obvious deck you'd want to put this in in like the one that wants the most counter spells is Baral, but with Baral you'd rather run a different three mana counter spell that can be discounted by his ability. Like yeah, I, I think I think Baral see I think Baral looking at it for Baral might be kind of a bit of a trap. Because of the, you've got such a wide range of cards that now become playable because of its discount effect. I think you've got to look at things like, uh, sorry, pardon me. Um, you got to look at things maybe like JVP. Um, I guess JVP could use it, but yeah. So like, yeah. I don't, I don't know, know that that deck wants another heart. It might not. Spell. It might not see play. But uh, yeah, that's uh, Archmage's Charm. Uh, next card. Sure, so this next one is Ayula's Influence for green, 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 an enchantment that reads, uh, discard a land, create a 2-2 two, two green uh, bear creature token. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll kick things off with this card. So this is this is a card that uh, many um, people on the Gitrog Discord were talking about. Also, uh, it's, it got a lot of talk, people saying, like, who are non-Gitrog players, who are saying, oh, you know, this is like an auto-include for Gitrog because, or it's an improvement over Chains of Mephistopheles. So I just want to take this time to dispel the, that notion. Uh, the, the casting cost, triple green, not super prohibitive. Like it's a bit prohibitive, but not, that's not like what kills this. It's not the CMC. Uh, it's the, the fact that it says discard a land card. Now most people think, oh, you know, well, Dakmar's a land. So obviously you just, you just get there. But the problem is, is that a lot of the time in Gitrog, you end up, uh, taking advantage of creature tutors to find uh, Golgari Grave Troll, which then you then can use to uh, to find Dakmore. And because this says discard a land card, you can't actually discard your Golgari Grave Troll, so you're not going to be able to use that. It basically turns off a bunch of tutors in your deck from being able to find Dakmore. Um, also, this has issues where you can't discard an Eldrazi Titan. Um, which can, it's not, it doesn't, it's, it's a bit more niche for the problems that, that can cause, but it is, uh, it is relevant. Um, so yeah, Chains of Mephistopheles being cheaper, uh, less prohibitive mana cost, uh, acts as a stacks piece that you break parity well on and can be used to, uh, you know, pitch your Grave Troll to find Dakmore is kind of what makes it uh, better. But obviously for those of you who don't want to spend, you know, 800 US on, uh, 
uh, Chains of Mephistopheles, Ayula's influence is a great budget replacement for something that gets around Linval and Curse Totem. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't think this. I, I think goes triple green any other deck. I don't know how you could, how you're going to do it, but yeah. Uh, next. Uh, all right. Next up, we have generous gift, and it is two and a white for an instant. It says destroy target permanent. Uh, its controller creates a three three green elephant creature token. So it's a beast within, but it's white, and it makes an elephant, which I guess is funny. Um, white elephant gift. <laughs> Um, I think that Beast Within sees play pretty much only in decks that are severely color restricted and Tassiker Um, and decks that are severely color restricted probably don't also have white and Tassiker also doesn't have white so I don't know that there's a deck that's looking for this but if you were trying to Twister Loop in an Esper deck for example this could work yeah it fits into the like yeah as you said the beast within reality shift type you know efficient slot uh, loop combo in a, in a non-green deck yeah. I don't think I don't I think, think this is good enough in my opinion I, I just think that beast within sees play mainly because it can also like in mono green decks because it can remove creatures can remove anything and you know white is not a color that is starved for removal for either enchantments artifacts or creatures um and those are really the only you're not going to see like planeswalkers or stuff in in cdh really um, well you might and and those decks are going to get killed by much <laughs> everything else you know teferi has definitely been uh, a lot weaker lately and as we will discuss later in this podcast there is a card that might be usurping the uh top the position of best mono blue commander so teferi might be even seeing Whoa. less play but in in response to what you're saying about it in esper for twister loops i just think there's better cards to loop um like looping swan songs or uh just esper twister loops aren't particular something you see very often in Asper. Or potentially Azorius Twister Loops would also be... Yeah. Not that these are common things, but if oh, there yeah. was a deck that wanted to Twister Loop in those colors, this could work, was all I was saying. Yeah. Okay. A deck that might unlock itself based on a new card, or... It's certainly worth um, you know, keeping in consideration. Yeah, if there, was a, there could easily be a commander that makes Twister, like an infinite mana outlet in those colors you know like that makes twister looping a viable win con okay uh next card we've got throws of chaos for three and a red it is a sorcery that has cascade and it has retrace and that's the that's all the text on that card uh so cascade for those of you who don't know it's when you cast a spell uh reveal the top card of your library until you review until you excel the top card of your library until you excel a card that has cmc a non-land card that has cmc less than uh the card the casting cost of the card that has cascade and then you may cast that card and then put the other excel cards on the bottom of your library in a random order and then retrace you can play this card from your graveyard by discarding a land card and in addition to paying its mana cost uh so what does this c play in maybe so I think I see this guy being played in decks that aren't running a, like the most instant speed interactions, especially counter spells, um, that find themselves going late and also having excess lands. So, like very strictly, I guess like Mizix could mess around with this card. Um, 
And then if you're really kind of trying to you know go on the hipster side, I guess Wind Grace would, would love this as well. Um, yeah, it's kind yeah. of a it's it's an interesting card that like you can just you know it's it's the eighth card in your hand um, with a decent <laughs> roll, effect. Roll the dice. Yeah. See, see what happens. Yeah, I mean when you're casting this for just a single red, discarding a land and potentially rolling into some like sick card draw or something in Mizzix, then maybe it's not so bad. Uh, our next card on the list. Yeah, so the next one up is uh, Mox Tantalite, and this is an artifact that has add one mana of any color. Oh, it also has suspect three for zero. <laughs> yeah, Mox Tantalite has Wait, no what's mana, its cost? mana cost. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the relevant part, dude. They just printed straight up strictly better Moxen, like. <laughs> Dude, are you saying I can cast this thing off an electro dominance? Yeah, yeah, no. It's, so it's it's something that would potentially see play in like exactly one deck, and that deck is Yindris. I I don't we're not agree. even sure that it would play see play in Yindris. I don't agree. I think it's substantial. Yeah, I don't think it'll see play in Yindris because it's substantially worse than the other cards that don't have mana costs, and the like. Yes, you'd rather hit Mox Tantalite than Mox Diamond off a of Cascade, but Mox Diamond is useful when you're not jumping through hoops to enable it. Yeah. And this card isn't. And I think yeah. that's it for Mox Tantalite. <laughs> Seems like it. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a mythic right. Mox, okay? Yeah, mythic, holy moly. Uh, mm -hmm. Next card. We've got Hall of Heliod's Generosity. It's a legendary land. It can tap for a colorless... Or you can pay one and a white and tap it and put target enchantment card from your graveyard on top of your library. So we've seen this effect before for creatures with Volrath Stronghold and for artifacts with Academy Ruins. Um, when and, are they going to complete this cycle, man? Yeah, <laughs> now they're working on it. And yeah. uh, in decks that don't have awesome graveyard recursion and perhaps are using Staxi enchantments of some kind, you could let you rebuy a critical piece. Um, but it doesn't seem to enable any game-breaking combos because second chance is bad. Yeah, I think I think this is a card that we're not. It's not going to see play in any decks right now, but could see play in decks down the line where, like, uh, like, like you're like you're saying with Academy Ruins, that's a that's a card that's used to you know rebuy artifacts in decks that struggle to do so, um, and you know I could definitely see decks that struggle to rebuy enchantments uh, want to play this if there's ever like a key enchantment combo I could see that this being being played in Brago because that deck has a bunch of enchantments that it wants to flicker particularly some of them have fading um, and it's a two color deck so you can afford a bunch of random tech lands yeah could be I think another major difference that kind of sets it at a bit of a lower standard than Academy Ruins is um that Academy Ruins has blue in its cost, and so it's limited to blue at a minimum. And there yes. are like mono blue commanders, but with white, like there there aren't any competitive mono white commanders to like to this day. Yeah. Say that to Teshar's face. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think there's that much more to say about this one. Uh, so then I'll cover Reap the Past for X and a red and a green. It's a sorcery with return X cards at random from your graveyard to your hand. Exile Reap the Past. Uh, so, Spleen, I think you want to talk about this card. 
Yeah, so this card, it's almost good enough. It basically just has one too many drawbacks. Like, obviously, X, two and X as a base for returning that many cards from your graveyard is insane. Um, but it's a sorcery, the cards are random, and it exiles itself, and you have to be in red. And if it was missing like any one or certainly any two of those conditions uh, it could see play in a lot of decks but it just doesn't quite get there because it's a little bit too narrow in every circumstance that you'd want to use it but yeah, it's, even like non-land would have been fine sorry? just X cards, even if it was like return X non-lands, I think that would have been good, good enough oh, non-land at um, random? yeah, yeah maybe yeah. Um, okay, up next no? Yeah, so we've got Fallen Shinobi uh, for three blue-black creature zombie ninja. This guy has ninjutsu for two blue and a black and reads, uh, whenever it deals combat damage to a player, that player excels the top two cards of their library until end of turn. You may play those cards without paying their mana costs, and it's a 5-4. It's a big boy. It's big boy. Is. Um, it's a surprise 5-4. <laughs> <laughs> Your Thrastios just becomes a 5-4 that draws you two cards. I think it costing four with the ninjutsu, like even though you're discounting one, still a bit too costly for this effect, considering it doesn't have like any form of trample or evasion, so you might not be able to get repeated uh, uses of this effect. Although, if you're in a meta where some people just aren't throwing up blockers, like there's a Teferi or something, like maybe this could be good enough. Well, also, also um, the like, fact that you don't have to pay the cost is nice, though. Yeah. Also, decks that like, I'm, for example, I play Kess, right, and that, that's a card that shuts down Timna decks. But I'm not. I don't want to be blocking this with with something like that. Like, decks that have a few creatures that block well, also really don't want to block this. Like, because cards that block well are still gonna die to this because it's a five four. Yeah, what's nice is too that you it's because it's play those cards you can play lands off this. Yes. So that's something that a lot of times you'll just see cast, which is uh, which is a bit unfortunate. But when it says play, that's it is really nice a nice bonus can help you help you hit your land drops. Also, you can just kind of like maybe spike a tutor or like a win con and yeah. keep that exiled. So yeah, also, it's, yeah. blue black decks good. also tend to be ad nauseum decks, which makes it not great. Um, but I think that this is the closest to playable that we've seen sort of an effect like this where you're trying to get in to get value with a creature uh, for a long time. I mean, we saw Azra, Azra's odds, odds maker sees play and sees some amount of play. It doesn't see regular play, but uh, sees some amount of play. And that was in Battlebond, well, right? So that's, that's uh, yeah, I guess it sees play in pretty much exactly Najila um, because it has warrior synergy and yeah, so I guess it's yeah. Azure Odds Maker is the last time we saw a card like this that's somewhat playable. Um, okay, our next card on the list. Our next card on the list is Giver of Runes. It is a creature core cleric that casts for a single white mana, and it is a one-two with tap. Another target creature you control gains protection from colorless or the color of your choice until end of turn. So it's of not quite Mother of Runes, uh, but there's a lot of similarities for sure. 
Rip, dude, rip Godo. Give give it give Godo protection from colorless. Get him. <laughs> Creature you control. <laughs> oh, you control. Oh wow. wow. Bad card. Go well, back. I that no, card it, it really is. It really is Godo a only meta. <laughs> kind of a, just a bad card. I think it's mom barely sees play. Sorry, mom being mother of runes, and uh, this is just it doesn't protect itself. Um, so you can't eat, you can't, uh, absorb removal there. Um, it's just, you don't really want multiple copies of this effect. If you want protection, typically you're looking for, if you're in green, you, like, Sylvan Safekeeper is kind of, like, the benchmark there. Yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else to say about this? I don't think so. I think that sums it up. Really unimpressive. Um... Okay, our next card is Ranger Captain of Eos. Uh, when it is a, it costs for a one generic mana and two white. It is a creature human soldier. When Ranger Captain of Eos enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a creature card with converter mana cost one or less. Reveal it, put it into your hand, and then shuffle your library. And you can sacrifice Ranger Captain of Eos. Your opponent can't cast non creature Your opponents can't cast non-creature spells this turn, and it is a three-three. Um, so this can find your, uh, your giver runes, right guys? Wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think this card's pretty okay. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's well statted. It's a tutor. So yeah, like it's certainly going to get you something useful. Problem is this, and it's, it's a restricted is... tutor and it's like really restricted. Or like you just kind of, it does replace itself, but it replaces itself with kind of like a garbage card. Cast for double, like one and double white. That's the, not cheap. The double white is definitely what, yeah, like, I guess it makes me not white. want to play this card. Like, if it was two and a white, I would definitely be looking at it, going, "I really want to see if I can fit that into a deck." But yeah, the the nice thing, like, maybe you cast this, find like a cost to caterpillar, and so like that's that's nice in terms of like your your value, and then. Um, at least so it's not like a full not like you're going down a full card and then you keep it up and it's a nice stacks piece that can prevent your or pseudo stacks piece that can like prevent your opponents from uh, winning the game so no one's like eager to pull the trigger on going for a win attempt because you can just crack it and it basically stalls them out um, and then if it comes around to your turn you can crack it and uh, feel free to combo like that's that's kind of best case scenario in my mind does that sound about right yeah, but I'm trying to yeah. I'm trying to think of like what's the deck where you want to use this to protect your combo effectively that's also okay with tapping with casting a three drop for double white. Anafenza, maybe. Yeah, possibly Anafenza, yeah. Maybe Silvala doesn't really see any play, but maybe Sisse. Like decks that aren't holding up interaction. But um, decks that look to win with creature-based combos are also just a lot less vulnerable to counterspells in the first place, right? I mean, if they're burning a counterspell on Ranger Captain Nebios, like, okay. No, 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 I'm saying, like, it's less relevant. There's there's a lot of counterspells that don't hit creatures, so if you're trying to win with a creature combo, it's less relevant, like, it's a lot less good than if you're trying to win with, like, Adnos. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, well... 
yes and no, but a lot of a lot of the creature-based combos, like if you're thinking like Anafenza, like you you do have to cast non-creature spells often to like you need to cast your reanimate, you need to cast your entomb or your buried alive to find it, and uh, there's there's usually some non-creature spells weaved in along uh, among those True. combos. True. Um, so yeah, like maybe, but you you've also got effects that this has to be with obviously is silence which I don't think it's ever going to beat um, uh, Grand Abolisher is just a really efficient way to protect your combo on your turn um, so I mean obviously this has a bit of a different effect in that you don't have to like Grand Abolisher you could tap out for your double white and that's not going to do anything if your opponent's trying to combo um, so in a way this is kind of like a little bit of a not really a mana battery, but you can you cast it. It's protection that gets uh, delayed until your turn while still threatening interaction. Um, but then also like abeyance, being that it's just target opponent can't cast spells or activate abilities this turn, but also cantrips for one and a white. So, you know, maybe this will find find a slot, but uh, yeah, I think I think uh, only time will tell with this one. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So our uh, next card on the list. Yep, this next one is Vesper Lark, and it casts for two and a white, and it's a creature elemental with flying. Uh, when Vesper Lark leaves the battlefield, return target creature with power one or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. It has evoke for one and a white, and it's a two one. Well, Vesper it's a little Lark. baby rebel Lark. Yeah, so cute. there's some good. There's some good cards with power one or less. Yeah. See, this is a card that we kind of put on this list without really having any particular place in mind for this, just because this is something that has an effect that could get broken wide open. Like, maybe there's some, like, really weird Hulk pile or some kind of weird creature combo you can set up because this is, like, more efficient with its uh, mana cost. Or There's just... There's got to be something either that exists out there right now that might that might make it uh, see play, or that uh, will cards printed in the future will enable. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on it. It's just yeah, because it looks like it should enable some sort of like fiend hunter or Felidar guardian style combo with it, but usually you want to be fetching those combos off a of protein hulk. And if you're getting multiple Protein Hulk triggers, why aren't you just getting a Karmic Guide, which is a much more versatile card? Okay, well, I think that wraps it up for like these uh, these less interesting cards. Um, let's move on to not not the juiciest stuff of the set yet, but you know some some meat and potatoes, if you will, some cards that are just that are just all around solid. They're gonna see play. Um, but I guess they're not flashy and exciting like some of the other cards we're going to cover. Uh, so the first, the first of these uh, of the slot is the Talisman cycle. So they decided, Watsi decided they'd like to finally treat the uh, enemy colors with respect, with the respect they deserve, and uh, and give us the uh, enemy colored talismans. And the yeah, I think there are a lot of two-color decks that are gonna really like this. Yeah. And some three-color um, decks too. I know, like, yeah, there's Talisman yeah. of Hierarchy, which is uh, white-black, and the Talisman of Creativity, which is uh, blue-red. I think the blue-red Talisman is gonna see a lot of play 
in like Grixis decks um, for sure. Like maybe Talisman of Hierarchy sees play in, uh, in like Xur, but obviously being uh, white black, yeah, a bit a bit iffy. Um, I don't think the other Talismans are as relevant because two of those are green, and green generally has better things to do than cast artifact based ramp, and uh, one of them is in Boros, which is Boros. So, I'm um, sorry, yeah. just. In case anyone's unfamiliar, talismans are two-mana artifacts that can tap for a colorless mana, or can tap for one of two colors uh, and deal one damage to you. And so, yeah, we, we had those in the allied colors, uh, which white-blue, blue-black, uh, black-red, red-green, and green-white, and now we're getting the enemy colors, which is the other five pairs. Yep, yep, yep. Um, okay, so our next... Uh just so all around solid cards are actually lands. Cycle of lands. It's not actually completing a cycle of lands. It's, I guess, starting a cycle of lands? Eh? Continuing? Sort of. Because it's... Continuing, yeah. I guess, would be... Yeah. yeah. Um, well, so these are the... Uh, these are dubbed, appropriately, the horizon lands. And I wanted to... <laughs> the, the, if you want to <laughs> tilt people, if you want to tilt your opponents, you call them canopy lands. Uh, of course, named after Horizon Canopy. Um, but yeah, Horizon is just... Horizon Land is just too appropriate given the fact that the set is Modern Horizons and Horizon Canopy being the original land with this effect. Um, but yeah, so for those of you who aren't aware, this is what the effect is. It's a land that can pay one to add one of two colors to your mana pool. Um, and then it also has pay one, tap, sacrifice it to draw a card. Sorry, pay one mana on the second effect. Yes, and pay one yes, life on the first. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so the cycle they give us, Horizon Canopy was initially in green-white, uh, and that was the only one, only land that had this effect, and now they just gave us the enemy-colored cycle. Uh, so, hooray for enemy colors. <laughs> Finally getting the love they deserve. But yeah, so these are just solid color-fixing lands that have just really nice upside in the game if it gets stalled out. I don't know what else to say, just it's really good. <laughs> uh, especially in Gitrog, nurturing Peatland, which is the Golgari one. Auto including Gitrog is going to be nutty. There are I also uh, that one and Waterlogged Grove, which is the Simic one, are also definitely going in Muldrove. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, just all around solid lands, going to see play Probably they'd probably see play off the basis of just fixing. Like I'd run, I'd run nurturing peatland if it didn't even have that second line of text, just because it's a a nice uh, nice fixing. So you know, really solid. You're gonna see play in, in all kinds of two color decks. I think if you find yourself running cards like Tarnished Citadel, um, you probably have an answer here. <laughs> yeah, it could be Tarnished Citadel in four color decks though. Can I don't know. It's it's definitely hard. Hard sometimes when you when you that strapped for colors, but yeah, maybe are... like five color devotion, dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, okay, so now time to get into the juicy, juicy cuts of the of this set. These are the cards that are like really, really defining of of this set, especially some of the ones on the later half of what we're going to discuss. Um, okay, so let's get into it. 
So first card of this bunch is uh, Prismatic Vista. Um, this is a land that has tap, pay one life, sacrifice Prismatic Vista. Search your library for a basic land card and put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. So another fetch? Uh, uh, seems wow, yeah. not bad. Looks like a fetch <laughs> to me. Are you sure it doesn't say tap? Yeah, it's just like if you're in a two, like maybe even three color deck. Three color, it's it's a bit tougher, but because uh, you want to be fetching for you want to have dual lands and stuff, and this obviously doesn't tap for two colors. But in two color, this is just so solid. Like in Gitrog, this card is just insane. Obviously, because it's gonna cantrip a lot of the time, it's gonna just fix you colors. So yeah, just a plus card. Yeah, especially in decks that are already limited on how many dual fetch targets they have. Um, yeah, okay, I don't know. I don't think there's too much to say about this. Yeah, I think just, this one pretty much speaks yeah. for itself. Like, it's a, it's a new fetch land. Yeah, like... like you know, everyone runs set. fetches. Uh, yeah, so set. our uh, next card, no? Yeah, so this next one is Echo of Eons. It, it taps, or it ca uh, costs for uh, four blue-blue. It's a sorcery and has each player shuffles their hand and graveyard into their library, then draws seven cards. It has a flashback cost of two and a blue. Yeah, so it's it's just... I feel like I've seen this text before. It's just Time Twister. <laughs> time Twister uh, that costs twice as much on the front end, but then flashes back for the same cost as Time Twister. Well, it costs twice as much and also 1,000 times less. Yeah, money-wise. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> uh, so this card is going to be great um, in terms of decks that just I want to be on like you know this is a common question on the on discord and on the subreddit which is you know what's a budget replacement for time twister and for the longest time a lot of the response has been there really isn't one or you know like if you're doing twister loops it's uh you know memories journey noxious revival or, or things like that but this is a card that in decks that are running time twister this is perhaps as the best budget replacement so far that we've seen unless you're also running ad nauseum yeah that's, yeah. that's it's rough. the closest functional reprint to time twister that we'll get like yeah. it's like obviously you're not going to be doing your turn one land mana crypt time twister and so you do miss out on a lot of stuff but the you just just try to if you can like get this card out of your hand and cast it for its flashback cost then then you're Gucci. You're solid. <laughs> like using a Lion's Eye Diamond. <laughs> I am. Yeah, Lion's Eye Diamond is a card. And both of these are currently legal in Legacy. Just a thought. Um, yeah, anything else to say about this card? I don't know. I don't, I don't like... It's This This card is something that I think is going to... We're going to have to see how it pans out. I don't, I don't think it's obviously going to be slotted in in addition to Twister. I mean, there's been a lot of, like fake twisters over the years you know like time spiral being a pretty solid one that is basically free when you're casting it on his front on for six mana um so and and not a lot of decks in cdh are already playing time twister so yeah you need to time, time spiral. spiral sorry lots of decks are playing time twister <laughs> but yeah time time oh, spiral yeah. is like if, if times if, if a deck is maybe considering time spiral maybe echo of eons will see play there or unless there's some like 
weird graveyard deck that can abuse the flashback cost. But uh, yeah, I think I think we'll have to wait and see to see uh, how Dream Halls. Dream Hall? <laughs> I mean, any deck that reasonably supports, you know, a bunch of intuition type. Oh yeah, yeah piles. dude, intuition piles at this. <laughs> um, yeah, such as Mizix. Yeah. <laughs> the deck that keeps coming up that no one plays. <laughs> it's just it's so much fun and it's almost good. Classic. Um, if only it didn't die to its own pyroclasms. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so our next card on the list is Force of Vigor, uh, and it is technically two green green for an instant, uh, and it says destroy up to two target artifacts and or enchantments, and it says if it's not your turn, you may exile a green card from your hand rather than pay this spell's mana cost. So it's a Force of Return to Dust. Yeah, the nice thing uh, about this is that you don't actually go neg on cards. You XL two you, you, you spend two cards to destroy two cards. The problem I see with this card is that you don't often when you want to be casting a card like uh, Nature's Claim or uh, Natural State, you're only trying to pick off one card. Right? And sometimes, like if you're if you if it's like late in the game, you don't need elves, and they're just sitting in your hand or whatever reason. Like pitching that to destroy someone's um, Ristic study or something like that. Like sure, in addition to answering a threat, that's solid. But honestly, I think I think a lot of the time, you know, it being four CMC as well, monster decks being on ad nauseum. Unless you're in like mono green, uh, I don't think you're. I think I think this card isn't the auto include that some people think it is. No, I don't think it's an auto include in in like four color decks with a lot of options. I mean, some people were talking um, about this in Gitrog. I don't think it's that great in Gitrog either. Huh. Yeah, I guess because green black already has the you have your abrupt decay and assassin's trophy. Yeah. Um. And yeah, a lot of the time, like you think of this as killing two good cards, and generally what it's doing is it's killing one thing you want to kill and like. A mox or maybe a soul ring which isn't bad it's nice upside but it's definitely a clunky card to use because you need either the green spell or four mana f or the green card or four mana for when you do need to kill like an isochron scepter for example yeah um i don't know i don't think there's too much else to say about force of vigor um yeah Honestly, cards that cost decks. zero mana certainly are you know of interest uh okay so we've got up next Goblin Engineer, and this is for a one and a red. It's a creature goblin artificer. When Goblin Engineer enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an artifact card, put it into your graveyard, then shuffle your library. You can also pay a red and tap and sacrifice an artifact to return target artifact with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. And it is a one two. So this, as far as I'm aware, we'll see play in basically only Goto, but um, this is actually kind of really great for Goto. It's a 2 CMC rock that can tap for net 2 mana the following turn um, if you want. Like, you can you can send a Grim Monolith to the bin or a Mana Vault, and then you know, you pay a red and you get out 3 colorless mana. So, like, tap a rock for mana, sack it, then bring back your Grim Monolith or whatever. Um, you can also use it to, if you want persistent mana, you can find a soul ring or mana, uh, mana a crypt, 
Um, it can also be used for generic utility, so if, uh, if you want to protect your combo, you can find um, defense grid and, and get that into play the next turn for only a single red mana. So this card does a lot for seemingly such a such a niche effect. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't think it sees play anywhere else. I, I don't think it's going to see play anywhere else though. Well, the other sort of fringe meme use that people will find for this is that you can fit it in a pile with Oriok Salvagers and oh. into Malian's Eye Diamond. Yes, yes, I guess you can. Classic, classic, the classic combo of discarding all your interaction and leaving everything on the table wide open. Everyone's favorite. People it will do it. People need to, love uh, Bomberman. It's, it's a layered combo oh deck. Come God. on. It still does need a tap. Like, if, 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 you, if it was red and sack, like, that would be a solid card. Yeah. Also, I think the fact that not you can't cash not them really right away. CDH, but there, this is technically a one-card combo with Kiki Jiki Mirror Breaker in the command zone. If you want, it's like, uh, it's it requires sacrificing three artifacts and having nine mana up, but that combo does exist. If you want to know what it is, you should go join the Mono Red Discord server and check out the Kiki Jiki channel. It's probably like this feels like the last post there. Like yeah. Anafenza pod lines. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, you just need triple white and seven mana. Yeah. <laughs> Sixteen life. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, someone someone read the next card before I get carried away. <laughs> yeah, alright. Yeah, so next up we have Lesser Masticor. Uh, cast for two. Uh, artifact creature Masticor. And um, written on it is as an additional cost to cast a spell, discard a card. Uh, it has four. Lesser Mastercor deals one damage to target creature. And finally, it has Persist for a 2-2. Two -two. Yeah, so, so I believe this, this goes directly into Viral's. Yeah, this, this basically opens up uh, a mana for Viral's piles, because in the past, uh, the standard Viral's Hulk pile was... Um, what is it? It's Malira, uh, Disciple of the Vault. Um... Yep. And wing rattle scarecrow, scarecrow, and that's with Viral's in play as your sack outlet. Um, so now by having this two and wing rattle scarecrow was the uh, was a three CMC artifact creature scarecrow that has persist as long as you control a black creature, I believe. Um, but yeah, so now when you've got a persist creature that has uh, one less uh, casting cost, which means you can fit in one more CMC into your Hulk pile. So that means if Viral's is not in play. Uh, you can get your Hulk trigger, and then you can use that one last CMC to find a sack outlet. So, a self-contained Hulk pile, that then also if Rawls is out, you can use that to find stuff like Sylvan Safekeeper to protect your combo. Um, so yeah, all around really great in Veralls. Um, and then also, just as a generic card for Hulk piles that aren't in, like, breakfast colors or lightning druid colors, like, if you just want to jam Hulk into some random stuff, you can with the. Uh, if you're in green, black, X. That's it's not yeah, a bad. Yeah, it's a pile. one. It's a one trigger Hulk pile. Yeah. Obviously, like the 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 standard Hulk pile before this was uh, in the not the the standard Hulk pile in like the non shuffle Hulk breakfast Hulk lightning druid lists was uh, Mike Ball. So you go, you find. Uh, uh, 
a sack outlet and uh, like body snatcher, then you'd reanimate the Hulk, sacrifice the Hulk, and you'd go to find Micaeus and Walking Ballista. So that's a multi-Hulk pile, and it was obviously vulnerable to uh, some stuff. So I guess the lesser Masticore single Hulk pile is nice, but obviously harder to manually assemble. Much more pieces. Um, yeah, I can only imagine the as an additional cost is also relevant. So maybe you want to like cast. I, I can only imagine that the uh, the additional cost of discarding um, a card could also be possibly relevant. Oh yeah, it definitely is. Like if it's, if you've got pieces stuck in your hand or like like Hulk stuck in your hand, especially in Verals, um, it's it's really nice to be able to cast it, discard discard your Hulk, and then re reanimate it because oftentimes in Verals you're. Uh, you're stuck with Hulk in your hand and no way to get rid of it. So it honestly it honestly does a lot of work for that deck. Okay, so that's enough of uh, Lester, Lesser Masticore. Uh, up next, we've got... Mirrodin Besieged. Uh, it's an enchantment that casts for two and a blue, and it has, as Mirrodin Besieged enters the battlefield, choose Mirren or Phyrexian. And if you choose Mirren, whenever you cast an artifact spell, you create a 1-1 colorless mirror artifact creature token. And Phyrexian, at the beginning of your end step, draw a card, then discard a card. Then if there are 15 or more artifacts in your graveyard, target opponent loses the game. Uh, so which mode do we think is relevant? Well, we haven't technically mm. gotten to the review of the card where that would make this obvious. But, spoiler alert, Mirren is the relevant mode. Making, whenever you cast an artifact spell, creating a 1-1 colorless mirror is going to be the most relevant mode on this card. It's, this card is not as relevant as some other cards. So, well, I'll just, I'll just spill the beans here. Uh, Urza as, is a card that we will be talking about. Um probably last on our cards just because it's so it's it's just the juiciest card of this set probably um but it is it it basically turns uh, artifacts that you control into the they it makes them tap for blue so the fact that it spits out uh, colorless artifact tokens basically just spits out mana rocks when you cast an artifact now there's other cards that have similar effects there's a uh, sign master thopterist um Oh god, is it Trail of Evidence? The one that That's makes right, clues? Yeah. So this this obviously isn't as good as those, but it is still something to consider. Yeah, if you're looking for, you know, redundant redundancy in your areas of list, yeah. Why not? And maybe sometimes you just have to, you know, take people out the old fashioned way and mill fifteen artifacts. <laughs> I kind of want there to be some like is that crazy the old fashioned way? <laughs> it's definitely not the old fashioned way. Dude, some crazy hermit druid deck where you just get Mirrodin besieged <laughs> into play and like, dude. Okay, so you, you flash for. No, no, no. Just no. Just have... Can you get Rector and hermit druid? No, no, no. hermit druid. Dude, it's it's obviously a hermit a... druid like dread return pile, and you like sack something with. Okay, okay, here we go, here we go, okay? It's, it's solved. I've already got it. So, upkeep, upkeep you, um, I guess you wouldn't do it on your upkeep, but you activate Hermit Druid, you mill your whole deck, you Dread Return uh, an Academy Rector, you flashback a Memories Journey to put uh, 
Mirrodin besieged on in top of your library, then you sacrifice your academy rector with a uh, cabal therapy. Boom. Easy. And then you kill one opponent and die on your next turn because you have two more opponents. Dude, but yes, but you did it. Okay. <laughs> I see. Okay. okay. Uh, I've got. I've got it. I've got it. It's the creatureless oath of druids deck that tries uh, yeah, to cast or replenish. <laughs> How could we forget? Um, and then you get that one enchantment. It has the uh, f- uh, the uh, Pegasus on it, that, so you can skip your draw step, and you're good. Island sanctuary, uh, yes. island sanctuary, island or sanctuary, any one of the yeah. sanctuaries. Yeah. And then uh, Starfield okay. of Nyx guys, to bring back. Guys, oh, I hey, think, we got I think it. We've, we've crossed into uh, ridiculous territory on uh, Mirrodin besieged. <laughs> yeah, mainly mainly Urza tech, and we'll get into Urza later in this show. Um, yeah. So next, we've got a card that's. Uh, interesting for one fringe cdh deck uh and that is if we're being generous <laughs> fists of flame and that casts for one and a red it's an instant it reads draw a card until end of turn target creature gains trample and gets plus one plus oh for each card you've drawn this turn so hoorah for zada it's a card that just cantrips uh and also pumps your team a lot if you've cantripped a lot so it's just a nice finisher Gives him trample, which is nice. Like, yeah, solid card for Zada, but for everything else, wah wah, kind of sucks. Yeah, it doesn't duplicate twenty times another day. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also, yeah, you're in Zada, so you're you're already what are you what are you doing? What are you doing? For its context, though, it's it's yeah. nuts. Yeah. Like there's. It's it's nuts in its context. Um, okay, so that's enough for Fist of Flame. Uh, next we got Tribute Mage. Uh, cast for two and a blue creature, human wizard. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you may switch your library for an artifact with converted mana cost two. Reveal that card and put it into your hand, and then shuffle your library for a two-two. This looks pretty familiar. Is there like so, a two mana artifact that's really good with like some blue spells perhaps null rod mm, yes <laughs> of course dude finds your null rod man finds your curse totem hooray finds the null rod no but finding three cmc tutor up your uh isochron scepter not too bad sure yeah not too bad not bad um if you need to ramp a bit, grab your Grim Monolith. Yeah. Maybe even enchant a power artifact on it. You know, <laughs> it's whatever. It's, it's got some stuff. Um, I think one thing to consider, though, is that a lot of the Scepter decks, are they running Fabricate? If they're not already running Fabricate, they probably don't want to be on Tribute Mage. The only reason to maybe be on Tribute Mage is if you're dense in Creature Tutors. Um, or you're... Or light on colors. Yeah. Like, all the mono-blue ones are running Fabricate. Yeah. And also like having blockers, because Timna. Yeah, it's definitely something that's... It's not. It's like, it's not going to see play in PST. But, yeah, in, in mono-color decks, this is just another solid tutor that can find not only your win-con, but a, a bunch of relevant stacks pieces. Um, and also just ramp and all-around solid cards. So, yay, another tutor. <laughs> yeah. Another very solid card. Um, okay, so I think these next two cards are, and these are the last two for these cards before our next section, which is commanders. Um, 
So these are the, the, the two non-commander cards that I think are the juiciest cards of the set. So, Spleen, why don't, why don't you kick things off with perhaps my personal yeah. favorite card of the set. So this next one, uh, it's an oof, and I, I think it's going to be big. It's Collector Oof. It casts for one and a green and is a 2-2, two -two, and is a creature oof, and is also a bear because it's a 2-2 two -two, uh, for one and a green. And when we say oof, we mean O-U-P-H-E. Man, you're killing me here. Just read the text on the card. <laughs> and it says, activated abilities of artifacts can't be activated. Oh, my God. It's Hooray. Null Rod on legs. Dude. Let's go. So, first of all, Yisan, obviously. Obviously, Yisan. Um, second of all, Tier zero confirmed. <laughs> any any deck, any deck that is like flooded in creature tutors that can like that's green based and not not in in artifact mana. Dude, this card can be just a slam dunk. Just an absolute slam dunk. So like this is something like Gitrog Gitrog lists have had null rod in and out depending on the meta and you know depending on how many artifact ramp pieces they're on, but dude, having such an accessible null rod. I think this card, this card is just, it's going to be, I'm not going to say it's meta-defining, but it's its definitely going to make uh, artifact-based decks feel the heat, um, just because this card is going to be so accessible, and then people are going to, I think, I think a lot of decks are going to be upping the, the number of creature-based removal um, in a response to this. That's That's my hot take there. Yeah, definitely. It's going to impact decks to that, um, I think to that degree. Just the fact that it doesn't um, die to like. So you concur like... that it's a big oof? I'm not yeah, going to dignify that I with concur. a response. <laughs> <laughs> That's a response. That counts. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, yeah. So, anything else to point out besides the fact this card is nuts? Any other hot takes? Do it's... you guys have any predictions? It's got great art. <laughs> I think it's beautifully illustrated. Okay. Well, talking about card art is is the standard set review uh, indicator that it's time to move on to the next card. Uh, yeah. And so, last but certainly not least, we've got Force of Negation. For one and two blue, it's an instant. Uh, if it is not your turn, you may exile a blue card from your hand rather than pay this spell's mana cost. And it has counter-target non-creature spell. If that spell is countered this way, exile it instead of putting it into its owner's graveyard. So, Force of Will 2.0, guys. Like, come on. Force of Will meets negate meets dissipate. No, it's, it's definitely not Force of Will 2.0. Uh, you can't use no. it to protect your combos on your turn. You can't counter creature spells. Um, it's... It's not force of will. But you save one life. You save you save that precious precious life. No, but the the massive thing about uh, force of negation to consider is that you want to be the type of deck like Shuffle Hulk runs force of will. Shuffle Hulk runs pact of negation. Shuffle Hulk runs misdirection. These are all free counter spells. So you're like, oh, you know, force of negation must be a slam dunk. Now. The thing about those spells is that they're all able to be used on your turn to protect your combo. Force of Negation 
unless you're comboing on your opponent's turn, which I mean, flash, which Shovel Hole can do, um, it's mainly used to stop your opponents from doing busted things. Which is definitely not the highlight point for free counter spells. Free counter spells are best when you're spending all your mana casting something else. Now, this is turn. this is what it is. So, for instance, if you want to tap out, it's really good to to hold up interact as a means to hold up interaction while advancing your board state tap out style. So, if you're in Zur or if you're in Cast or if you want to just tap out and make a really strong proactive play on your turn. Uh, you know, some some Zer players are like very reluctant to cast Zer without, uh, you know, holding up counterspell, not even just to protect their Zer, but to stop opponents from winning because they see them tap out for the Zer, and they're like, okay, well now I've just got free reign to combo. Force of Negation is a card that lets you make those kinds of plays and feel safe during your opponent's turns, and that you can at least provide some amount of interaction. Yeah, I think that's very well stated. Um, I think one uh, feature, too, of this card that might go unnoticed for now, but we'll certainly see later, is that it definitely exiles the spell, and that can be important. Um, there are a lot of great non-creature spells that you don't want to see ever again, <laughs> like uh, Ad Nauseam, Time Twister, Yag Moswell, you can really screw some people time, by twister. time Twister, even Flash, Food Chain, you know, Food Chain's a bit different, but, you know, like... Narrowing the food chain player to two bring four. Um, it's fetch from exile cards. Definitely is all right. Yeah, yeah. Getting their food chain exiled is hilarious. Food chain decks running fetch from exile cards. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, yeah. So anything else to say uh, about force of negation before we jump into our final three cards of the set review? Please don't force of negation my food chain. Um, Fortunately, no. Oh, okay. Okay, and so let's let's only if it's not my turn. <laughs> <laughs> let's jump into commanders then. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna go in. Uh, we're gonna save the best for last with this. So we'll start things off. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I see how it is. Yeah. Well, the most exciting for last. Okay. So let's. Okay, that's that's a little more fair. So let, let's kick things off with. Yogmoth Thran Physician. Uh, Yogmoth Thran Physician is cast for two and two black. He's a legendary creature, human cleric, with protection from humans. He has pay one life, sacrifice another creature, put a minus one, minus one counter on up to one target creature and draw a card. And he has for two black, discard a card, proliferate, and he is a two four. So, Spleen, you're the one who's most jazzed about Yogmoth. Why don't you kick things off? Yeah, so, I mean, this card, uh, it's very easy to just play it and draw an absolutely absurd number of cards. Um, and obviously, there are there are a whole bunch of ways to assemble the effect of Yawgmoth's Bargain, which is pay one life, draw a card. Uh, and obviously, that effect is one that should win you the game if you have any reasonable amount of life total. Um, notably with Undying Creatures, Nest of Scarabs, um, and effects that make a token on either death or entering the battlefield, uh, you can set up sort of loops. It is mono-black, uh, where you're strapped in a lot of areas, most notably in interaction, you don't have a ton. And um, the combo pieces that you're running are 
typically sort of higher mana cost than you might hope, and a little bit clunky. Um, but it's definitely a cool and fun deck, and you know you can give it a try and you'll surprise people. If anyone uh, and you can has any uh, competitive Hapatra decks, this just combos with Hapatra straight up, makes a Yogmoth's yes. bar- bargain. So also also the other uh, the other line of text that's relevant is not so much the second ability, the fact that it proliferates, but the fact that um, it discards cards like Brazaketh. Um, so you can play sort of a reanimator graveyard style combo deck, uh, and it does a lot of cool stuff. Unfortunately, you need the artifact ramp to make it fast enough, so you die to Nullrod. It's a creature that's sacrificing creatures, so you die to uh, Curse Totem, and it's a graveyard combo deck, so <laughs> Graph Digger's Cage hurts a lot too. Um, but it is. A lot of one fun. thing. One thing I will say too is that the the uh, putting minus one minus one counters on your opponent's stuff is actually like no joke. You can you yeah. can stop a lot of sure. a lot of things like that. Um, just clear important creatures. Um, you know, remove Labman, kill Notion Thieves, Mind Sensors, blah blah blah. Like there's the list goes on of, of things you can kill with minus one minus one counters, and it certainly doesn't hurt that you're drawing a card from that little exchange. Um, yeah, yeah, I think another big uh, feature of this card too is that uh, Timna is a human. So, no, the protection from humans is a strict downside because it means you can't put counters on him to enable something like Nest of Scarabs. Oh, actually, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's actually yeah. oh man, imagine. Um, okay, so that does it for Yogmoth. Uh, no, actually, here. Let's let's swap the order on this let's one. Let's switch yeah. up the order. Yes, please. I think this you makes get, sense. You get this one. Okay, so we've got the first sliver, and you may be thinking slivers in CDH. What the heck? So it casts four white, blue, black, red, and green. It is a legendary creature, sliver, just like all those other legendary slivers we've seen before. That are now five hundred million dollars. <laughs> ah, yes. It has cascade. And it has sliver spells you have, or sliver spells you cast have Cascade, which is completely irrelevant. There's exactly and it's one a... relevant line of text, <laughs> and that it that is that it has Cascade. Cascade, yeah. uh, and it is a seven-seven, um, which means you don't have a terrible backup plan. Um, so, food chain, five color food chain specifically is an archetype that has been around for a while, and a about six weeks ago, we got a pretty serious upgrade from Tazri in the form of Niv-Mizzet Reborn. He died so young. The first sliver is the first food chain deck that means that you don't have to run functionally useless garbage outlet cards. Uh, with this, you can win using the Laboratory Maniac that's already in your deck. You can add... Jace, and seeing as you're already running Demonic Consultation and Tainted Pack to enable your food chain by exiling those cast from exile creatures, you adding Jace means you're more likely to win when you exile half your deck, and you have another way to combo with those. Uh, You can set up Twister Loops if the right pieces survive, Uh, and with the inclusion of the one suboptimal card of Rift Sweeper, your deck is actually even more consistent 
than Food Chain Tazri or Food Chain Nib with their standard suite of three hard outlets. Because you just have so many more ways to assemble a, a win that even if they take more cards, uh, you still have you still have a greater chance of having at least one of them survive. So basically we're taking the existing Food Chain decks, taking out the three outlet cards, putting in Jace, which is a, just a good card in the deck, Rift Sweeper, which isn't thrilling, but Help, makes the deck really helps consistent. Helps you get back your food chains that have been forced of negation. <laughs> yep. And literally anything, whatever card you wanted to fit in the deck but didn't have space for, it's now in the deck. Can can everyone please have? Can we have a moment of silence for Niv, who had the briefest moment as the best? Twenty nineteen yeah. to twenty nineteen. No. <laughs> Everyone, press F in in chat, please, for <laughs> for for Niv knows it. I'm worried that will mess up my recording, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think Spleen just about covered it for the first sliver. It's just a solid, solid upgrade for uh, food chain decks. One other thing, uh, you can enable some really funny stuff. Particularly, if you have a lot of mana in the late game, um, it takes a turn off using your top deck tutors effectively. Oh, true. I, wa I won a game by putting a Tainted Pact on top and casting the Sliver. That's clever. It's a great point, yeah. Yeah, cast E-Tutor, cast the first Sliver, then bing, bam, boom, you're, you're in it. <laughs> you're off to the races. Pretty yeah. much. Um... Okay, so let's get on to the first sliver. The first sliver is exciting, but it's really just an upgrade to an already high-tiered CDH deck. Let's let's give some time to discuss the newcomer to CDH. He's he's uh, you're no no tell 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 us about him. Sure. So um, this is the uh, one of the first mono blue commanders that can effectively block Timna. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> this is uh, Urza, Lord High Artificer. Uh, he casts for two blue-blue. Legendary creature, human artificer. Um, with three very relevant sections of text. Uh, first off, when Urza, Lord High Artificer, enters the battlefield, create a 0-0 colorless construct artifact creature token with this creature gets plus one, plus one for each artifact you control. This is known as creating a construct. Uh, second, tap an untapped artifact you control to add blue. This is known as your artifacts are now moxes. <laughs> uh, Dude, all the mox <laughs> sapphires, man. Hell yeah. All the, all the mox sapphires, yeah. And then last but not least, uh, five, shuffle your library, then exile the top card until end of turn. You may play that card without paying its mana cost. And as I said, for yeah. very well standard one four. Um, wow. Okay. Uh, Every line of, of mine, text uh, in this card is relevant. Every line. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. Like, the Karn, people dismiss the construct. This card is... So blue decks notoriously have had a problem with just low creature count because there aren't enough good creatures to run, and then, you know, people might hit him to death. Like, that's an easy way to... Or, like, kill Teferi. Like, yeah. Dude, you're, you're, you can be on the offensive... When you're playing Urza with this construct, 
this thing can get massive because your deck is just full of artifacts to take advantage of his uh, ability to, to just make mana from them. Yeah, to stall yeah, the game. So this, this like, construct comes down as like a 6-6, six, 7-7 six, seven, seven sometimes. And also he immediately yeah. taps for mana. So that's for some reason that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to quickly uh, quote a friend of mine a uh, fan of the podcast, uh, he said, this has got to be the upper limit of how strong a card can be. And I, I think, like, in, a single, in, the, in the context of a single card, like, it'd be hard to beat this. Uh, there's plenty of good... Um, there's there's plenty of things that you can just slot into this deck. Uh, everything that... Um, Everything that you think like wouldn't advance your board state does like Grafdigger's Cage now just it's it's it costs no mana. Uh, yeah, one um, one notable thing too about Urza is that typically blue decks will will run things like Curse Totem, uh, and you know they get hosed by Null Rod. Urza is kind of in the opposite boat here because he actually taps your artifacts make mana through Null Rod. Because his ability, it's uh, the ability on him to make the mana. Um, and it's, if <laughs> with Curse Totem in play, that shuts off his ability. So you're not, you're not really jazzed to see either of those effects. Like, you can play through a Null Rod, but you're not jazzed about it because you do run artifacts with abilities. Um, but, yeah, Curse Totem is now something that you probably don't want to be running in this deck. Now, we haven't even delved into... A lot of like the busted Urza synergies that are out there because some artifacts have abilities that get turned off when they're tapped uh, so those are cards like Trinisphere, Winter Orb, Static Orb um, is there any that I'm missing here? Those are the major those are the major yeah, three. Those are, those, are the, those are the big ones so that means and you're really not trying to pollute your deck with those effects because <laughs> yeah, there's so no reason like past Howling Mine's also pretty good <laughs> Howling Mine is definitely great. Um, I think, like, that's maybe a meta call, because I find that you want to cast Howling Mine, and then you realize that you don't have Urza in play, and you can't. Yeah. It's not really particularly advantageous. Everyone yeah, draw cards. Uh, yeah. Yikes. Especially because um, everyone gets to draw where cards the other ones you. are. Yeah. The other ones are certainly avenues to, to casting Urza quicker. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been scenarios. Null Null has been testing with Urza just proxied up and uh, I'll tell you this much for free having having just an asymmetrical winter orb or static orb feels really 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 bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a, a sum a summary of a, of a turn order would pretty much go uh, land pass land pass land pass uh, tap winter orb untap uh, mind's desire for one. <laughs> Uh, you know, draw a bunch of cards, attack with my construct, uh, pass. Yeah, and then everyone kind of else big, untaps that's... only a single land. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Feels. You know, play a dork, pass. <laughs> feels bad, Seems good. man. But yeah, like, and that's just scratching the surface. Like, those are just some obvious synergies. Like, yeah, like Trinosphere, you can have that up only for, for when you want to. Like, if you're throwing a combo off, you can tap the Trinosphere for mana and then turn it off. Um, or so like, or you can make it difficult so your opponents try to cast a flash or do some stuff, so they have to pay the tax on the Trinisphere, then all of a sudden you just tap the Trinisphere to allow other opponents to interact, stuff like that. Um, but then Urza just turns a bunch of, it just, it just amps up the 
your evaluation on a bunch of cards, right? So things like top, obviously just kind of a staple in, in mono blue, but it's it just having a tap for mana just so much better as well, right? Uh, you can you can look at the top three of your cards for basically free. This deck just gets flooded with mana, and it's it takes advantage. And has of it really has well. something to do with yeah. it, right? Urza has that his ability, you know, stapled onto him. Yeah. One thing one thing um, we should mention too about this ability is that he's just an infinite mana outlet. Yeah, and that that kind of brings um, that's a great point, and that kind of brings me to um, something I, I specifically want to talk about, which is comparing him to um, I think what most people consider to be the current you know mono blue commander to beat, and that's Teferi. Um, and you're you're a long time Teferi player. Yeah, I've been playing Teferi for a while, and I you know I, at the same time I haven't been playing Teferi recently because um, because of his weaknesses, so. Uh, let's talk about that. So Urza um, creates two CDH level blockers, right? They they can. And he doesn't. Urza, you can't Urza and the construct. You can't. You cannot. Teferi dies to combat damage. Um, I would be scared to cast a Teferi if there was a two-two in play. Uh, oh god! And God, yeah. well, Lord, I mean, do we it's know? It's not like we see very many of, two twos. Yeah, around. there's a lot of two twos in the command zone in Timnas. So, yeah, I think you can argue that because of that, he's almost like harder to remove. Like you can play him as a value engine because he doesn't die to combat damage. <laughs> Deferi, like, de very deceptively looks like a value engine, but in reality, is just a combo outlet. Yeah. Um, Teferi um, is certainly a combo outlet, but is really only a combo outlet to one combo. Urza is, you know, there's there's really, you could pack tons of redundancy into your combos because he's just, he's a pure infinite mana outlet. Uh, yeah, so there's, there's and, he's, and as much as he is a, a hard outlet, he's a soft outlet, right? Yeah, there's, there's, uh, well, so one thing is you can, you can almost get, like, so I know PST decks, they run the combo with Paradox Engine, Top, and Thrasios in play, where you can, you know, activate Top, draw a card, pay the mana for Thrasios, replay Top, and if, you, if you're making netting enough mana, like, you'll just get there. So now Urza, first of all, Paradox Engine now taps for mana, because that's somehow allowed. Like, what? <laughs> and yeah. uh, Your Construct taps for mana. Yeah, you... You pay your mana to activate your Urza ability, and if you roll a card you can cast, like if you shuffle into one of the cards you can cast, bam, that card's basically free, right? So you can you can just get a ton of value out of this Paradox Engine, and that's that's without even um, having any like infinite combos. Because if you ever get infinite mana, like we said, Urza will just win the game. So you get infinite manas and infinite combos in Paradox Engine. You get infinite mana, infinite combos in uh, Isochron Scepter Dramatic Reversal. Uh, power artifacts of basalt slash grim monolith. Uh, there's so many different ways to go about it that, like, it he like like Null was saying, he is just so flexible and resilient in his win cons. Yeah, I definitely have to say, I I I never thought they'd actually make an Urza card just because no matter what they did, it would be disappointing. Like he's so built up in the story. 
this is not disappointing. Like, I never thought I'd see a card this strong printed, particularly in a modern legal set. Yeah, that's that's. I think that everyone like just got hit hard with this. Like, I remember, I remember where I was when this card was spoiled. <laughs> uh, I was at work, uh, uh, being productive, and then I got a. And then I was a message I wasn't being on productive uh, anymore. I got a notification. Yeah, and then that's uh, it was it was hard to stay concentrated on uh, on anything you know, but that. But brewing this deck in your mind. Yeah, exactly, dude. I had I had the I had the whole ninety nine set up already. <laughs> I just had to write it down. Um, he is strong, but I, I there are two notable weaknesses. Um, one of which has already been mentioned, but I kind of want to go a bit further on, and is that he's affected by curse totem uh i think like that really is a hard it, it's like it's not it's not a hard stop but you can't like mono blue has a hard time dealing with curse totem yeah especially because bouncing is not gonna be good enough so if you really want to get rid of a curse totem you're bouncing it and countering it and that doesn't even really do it because curse totem compared to to null rod is played way more frequently like you're gonna see way more curse totems than you are null rods i mean with a new oof like that might change you're gonna you might see more null rods and curse totems in in the upcoming meta and that's that's fine for urza right obviously the, the one and, thing you do suffer urza, from you know, is unless uh, urza really makes like a unless urza really shakes it up which i, I don't think he will but i think he'll certainly you're, you're, you're definitely going to see a lot of Urza, you know, coming out the gate, but I don't necessarily think he's going to really shake things up. Um, yeah, just just casually like kicking Teferi out of the way and seizing the throne for himself, and but not making too big of a fuss about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, second weakness, um, which is kind of not really a weakness; it's more of like a comparison, and that's that he can't really win with High Tide. And blue is great at tutoring high tide. Teferi and high tide um, go particularly well together. Uh, you do need to assemble like a, a decent, you know, crew of artifacts. Yeah. One thing. He kind of he kind of feels like a soft high tide, honestly. Yeah, you just get you just make so much mana. Um, one thing one thing too with uh, Urza versus Teferi comparison that I just kind of want to um, elaborate on, like how often with Teferi do you find you're able to defend? Like how much mana do you have open after you cast your, your you cast and activate your uh, your chain veil? Like do you often find you're able to it's protect it tight. a lot of the time or? Because Urza is just makes so much mana, and and you do, he doesn't need to spend you don't need to spend eight mana to to get your combo piece into play often, right? No. Uh, Urza, Urza plays like Urza doesn't pretend to be a control deck. It's definitely a mid range deck. Um, so you're playing Urza, and then you're comboing. I think with Teferi, it's like you sometimes kind of you try to play control, but you really are at the deepest kind of just a mid-range deck uh this way i think urza like yeah you like it's all it's certainly a mid-range deck you're just playing urza you're dropping your your you know your stacks pieces you're setting up your combo you're disrupting people so yeah if you want to um 
follow the developments of this deck. Um, there's currently um, a tapped out collaboration between Sick Robot, Lurker, Shaper, and Siggy, all huge names in the community. Um, this is their Urza Paradox Scepter deck. You can find it by searching Urza on the subreddit. Um, it goes by the acronym UPS. And uh, yeah, in my opinion, this is definitely the most solid list I've seen around. I think it has a, a careful balance between stacks and control and you know, combo. Uh, I don't really know what's going on with Legacy's Allure, but hey. <laughs> Apparently it's good. Mistakes. I'm not sold, but I guess I'll take their word for it. Also, I yeah. do I do just want to throw out a, a quick word for Sick Robot, who was super excited to talk about this card and yeah, unfortunately really couldn't be here. Yeah, we... In, in the last episode, at the very end, we were joking a bit, like, saying, oh, you know, we predict that there will be lots of uh, rule of law effects, and that was in reference to the first sliver, and, uh, you know, lots of null rod effects, and that was, that was in reference to the oof, and uh, maybe a bit of Urza as well. But yeah, so we had, we had forbidden Sick Robot and anyone from talking about the spoilers until we did this episode, so that it's an extra, extra kind of a... a sad moment for for sick in the sense that he couldn't talk about the deck that he really wanted to uh on this episode um but yeah i think uh that about wraps it up for this episode uh, if you guys would like to reach out to us with any questions comments or concerns you can contact us on twitter at into the north pod via our email into the north podcast at gmail.com or on our Discord server, the in like the invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode. An extra special thanks to all of our patrons who help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work towards improving the quality of the podcast. If you too would like to become a patron, we are at patreon.com slash into the north podcast. Thank you as always to the band Vox Cadre for our lovely podcast music and to Nate Slover for our equally lovely podcast logo. Next episode will be out in a month. Until then, see ya. See ya. Have a good one.